0: Today on the program, you will hear from Alice Bryant, Anna Mateo, and Brian Lynn. Later, we will present our American History series, The Making of a Nation. But first, hundreds of thousands of Iranians demonstrated Monday to mark the 40th anniversary of the country's Islamic Revolution. Some of the protesters burned US flags. Others carried pictures of Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini, the Shiite religious leader whose return from exile led to the ouster of Iran's Shah. On February 11, 1979, Iran's army declared its neutrality in the dispute between the two sides. Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi and his family were forced to flee the country. On Monday, Iranian state television broadcast images of people carrying Iranian flags and standing out in cold, rainy weather. Some demonstrators shouted, ''Death to Israel! Death to America!'' sayings often repeated at the time of the revolution. The Shah was the United States' closest ally in the Middle East. One sign read, much to the dismay of America, the revolution has reached its 40th year. Soldiers, students, clergymen, and women wearing black filled streets across Iran. Many people carried pictures of Khomeini, who died in 1989, and Iran's current Supreme Leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. The large crowds at state-supported marches came as Iranians increasingly face economic hardship. Last year, the government suppressed protests over poor living conditions in over 80 cities and towns. The unrest was the most serious threat to Iran's religious leaders since protests over disputed elections in 2009. Prices of food, especially meat, have risen a lot since U.S. President Donald Trump withdrew the United States from the 2015 nuclear agreement with Iran. Trump also reestablished U.S. economic sanctions against Iran. In January, President Hassan Rouhani said his country was experiencing its worst economic crisis since the overthrow of the Shah. He told Iranians that the Shah cared mostly about rich people and let the country's secret police carry out abuses.
2: Parkland Strong and MSD Strong signs can still be found all over the Florida town where 17 people were killed in a school shooting last year. The attack on February 14, 2018 at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland is the deadliest in a U.S. high school. The gunman killed 14 students and three adults. 17 other people were wounded. Now, a year later, students, teachers, parents, and community leaders continue to struggle with the horror it caused. Angela Borofato's son graduated from Stoneman last year. She said a lot of angst and sadness remain because not much has changed in a year. People are divided about what to blame and how to prevent another violent attack. The top police official in Broward County, Scott Israel, was recently suspended from his job. The new governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, said he ordered the suspension last month because of poor police operation during the attack. Israel is taking legal action to regain his job. Some community members also are demanding the removal of Robert Runsey as leader of Broward County Public Schools. Florida's state government passed gun control laws shortly after the shooting. These included a rise in the age limit for legal purchase of guns and the establishment of a three-day waiting period. Some argue the restrictions are not strong enough. Others think they are too restrictive. Last month, a state legislator proposed a measure that would cancel some of the laws. Parkland is holding a series of events to mark the anniversary of the tragedy. Therapy dogs will be at MSD High School on February 14th and the school day will end early. Students who decide not to attend classes that day will be excused. Those who come to school have been asked to volunteer for community service projects. A vigil is planned to take place in the same park where thousands gathered the day after the shooting. Nearby, California-based artist David Best is building a wooden temple in honor of the victims. Visitors will be able to leave written remembrances of the victims at the site. Free yoga training and beach cleanups are also being organized. A five kilometer run honoring Stoneman sports director, Chris Hickson is planned for February 16th. He was shot and killed while running toward the gunfire to try to help the children. Parkland mayor, Christine Hunchowski said the anniversary is a painful reminder that all of the city suffered. But the volunteerism helps prevent the shooting from defining it, she said. We still have people helping each other and that's who Parkland was before this and who it is today, she said. I'm Alice Bryant.
1: From VOA Learning English, this is the Health and Lifestyle Report. Marriage. Is it a romantic situation with some practical parts, or is it a practical situation with some romantic parts? Couples and cultures differ, but experts on marriage warn that, in general, romantic love, you know that excited feeling you have at the beginning of a relationship, lasts only for about a year. As the relationship continues, Partners need to make sure they can still live together happily. In other words, they need to be compatible.
3: But how do you know if you are compatible with someone? Like in a job interview, you need to ask questions. Several websites suggest questions you should ask your future bride or groom. We have collected here some of the ones that appear most often.
1: What kind of debt do you have? A 2018 poll by the Pew Research Center found that money is one of the top five things couples fight about. Before tying the knot, another way of saying getting married, you should talk to your partner about any money each of you owes such as student loans, house, or car payments. One reason to talk about debt is because married couples may want to make a costly purchase together, such as a house. Debt could limit your ability to do so. And do not forget about credit card debt. This probably tells more about a person's relationship with money than any other kind of debt. That leads us to our next question.
3: What are your spending habits? Some people are good at saving money. They take comfort in having extra in the bank. Others are good at spending money. Shopping, for them, can bring comfort. If you and your partner spend money differently, it could lead to conflict. Now is a good time to talk about savings, budgets, and how you will handle your finances together.
1: How do you feel about a clean house? Cleaning up around the house may not seem like a big deal. However, the same poll noted earlier found that 62% of all Americans said sharing household duties is important to a successful marriage. How will you and your partner divide them? When talking about cleaning the house, there is another related question. How do you feel about clutter? For some people, living in a house with things everywhere can be very stressful. Other people have a hard time throwing anything away. It is important to know how you and your partner will deal with the everyday stuff of life.
3: How much time do you spend on social media or other technology? Some people can spend hours on Facebook or playing video games. Other people hate using their time in such a way. Maybe they like to go hiking or play an instrument for hours instead. So, at the heart of this question is this simpler but all-important one. How do you like to spend your time? Couples who share the same interests, whatever they may be, are more likely to succeed at being married.
1: Do you want children? Okay, whether or not to have children is a big question. In marriage, many areas are negotiable. Couples can find a compromise. However, the question of whether or not to have children is not one of those areas. For many people, the issue of children can be a deal-breaker. So find out before you walk down the aisle. Find out if you both have the same expectations about babies. Yes, no, how many, and when.
3: Have you ever been arrested? If you have, for what? This may sound obvious, but you may be surprised by what you learn. Before you marry someone, It is a good idea to find out if your partner has a criminal record. But keep in mind that not having an arrest record may simply mean that they have never been caught. So, while you are on the topic, you could also ask about a history of gambling, overusing alcohol or drugs, or perhaps violence.
1: How much time alone do you need to be happy? You can't spend every minute together. Or can you? Best to ask. Some people are most happy when they are around others. In fact, some people hate to be alone. But other people may need large amounts of time by themselves. It is important to share where you fall on this line. Some people may take it personally if their partner does not want to be with them all the time. And the people who need to be alone may feel trapped by being with someone day in and day out, even if it is someone they love.
3: These are just some of the questions you may want to ask before getting married. These topics may be uncomfortable. But a couple hours of feeling uncomfortable is better than a lifetime of conflict.
1: Also, experts warn to be careful of someone who does not want to answer questions such as these. That is perhaps the greatest warning sign of all. And that's the Health and Lifestyle Report. I'm Anna Mateo.
3: And I'm Brian Lynn.
4: Welcome to The Making of a Nation, American History in VOA Special English. In any war, the enemy's capital city is an important target. To capture the enemy's capital usually means victory. In the American Civil War, the North hoped for a quick victory by capturing the southern capital at Richmond, Virginia. Northern forces were strong enough. There were about 150,000 Union soldiers in and around Washington. General George McClellan led this Army of the Potomac. It was the biggest, best trained, and best equipped of the Union armies. Larry West and Tony Riggs report on McClellan's move against Richmond.
5: For the first year of the Civil War, the Army of the Potomac did not fight. General McClellan kept making excuses for his failure to act. He had a plan, he said, and he would not move until he was sure his men were ready. McClellan's plan was to put his army on boats in the Potomac River. They would sail down the river to where it emptied into the Chesapeake Bay. Then he would land the boats on the coast of Virginia, east of Richmond. President Abraham Lincoln wanted to capture the Confederate capital. But he did not like the idea of moving all of McClellan's men. That would leave the city of Washington without protection. McClellan tried to calm Lincoln's fears. He said that as soon as he marched toward Richmond, any Confederate soldiers near Washington would withdraw. They
6: would be needed to defend their own capital. The Army of the Potomac began to move on March 17, 1862. Within two weeks, more than 50,000 had reached Fort Monroe, southeast of Richmond. They were equipped with 100 big guns and tons of supplies. Day by day, the Union force at Fort Monroe grew larger. McClellan had planned to move quickly to Yorktown, then push on to Richmond. He would move along the finger of land between the York River and the James River. He soon learned, however, that he could not move as quickly as planned, Heavy spring rains had turned the dirt roads into rivers of mud. McClellan's men could push through, but there was no way they could bring their big guns. McClellan decided to wait. He did not want to attack Yorktown without artillery. President Lincoln
5: was not pleased he sent a message to McClellan. You must strike a blow, Lincoln said. You must act. But still, McClellan delayed. By the time his artillery had arrived and was in place, Confederate troops had withdrawn. They moved to the woods outside Williamsburg. McClellan chased them. For the first time, his army went into battle. The fighting was strange. The woods were so thick that the two sides could not often see each other. Soldiers fired at the flash of gunpowder, at noises, anything that moved. Their aim was good enough.
6: About 4,000 soldiers were killed. In his reports to Washington, McClellan claimed great victories at Yorktown and Williamsburg. Yet, he was worried. He believed the Confederate force around Richmond was much larger than his. He demanded more men. The Confederate force was, in fact, much smaller than the Union force, but it was deployed in a way to make it seem much larger. The trick fooled McClellan. By the middle of May, 1862, his army was only 15 kilometers from Richmond. Still, he did not attack. He continued to wait for more men and equipment. Confederate President Jefferson Davis was worried. He knew the Confederate Army was smaller than the Union Army. Davis's military adviser, General Robert E. Lee, offered a plan. Lee proposed that General Stonewall Jackson lead his army up Virginia's Shenandoah Valley. The North would see the move as a threat to Washington. Union troops would be kept near Washington instead of being sent to Richmond. President Davis agreed. Orders were sent to Jackson.
5: Stonewall Jackson was one of the South's best generals. He was a forceful leader, and he could make his men march until they dropped. He got the name Stonewall at the Battle of Bull Run in the summer of 1861. Southern soldiers were withdrawing. A Confederate officer tried to stop them he urged them to follow Jackson's example, to stand and fight. He shouted, There stands Jackson, like a stone wall. General Jackson faced three large Union forces in and around the Shenandoah Valley. Yet he struck hard and fast, and soon had control of the valley's main towns. His campaign is still studied at military schools around the world. It is considered an excellent example of how to move troops quickly
6: to where they are most needed. Jackson's raids produced the exact effect Robert E. Lee had wanted. Everyone in Washington feared an immediate attack on the city. Soldiers were hurried to the capital from Baltimore and other nearby cities. And President Lincoln sent thousands of troops to chase Jackson in the Shenandoah Valley instead of helping McClellan at Richmond. The Union Army outside Richmond was deployed on either side of the Chickahominy River. The Chickahominy was not a big river. It could be crossed easily at several places. While McClellan waited to attack the Confederate capital, heavy rains began to fall. The little river began to rise. The commander of Confederate forces in Richmond saw this as a chance to smash a large part of McClellan's army. The flooding
5: river would soon cut the Union force completely in two. When that happened, the Confederates would attack. They expected to destroy at least half of McClellan's army. The plan seemed good. And after the first few hours of battle, the Confederates were close to victory. But one bridge remained over the Chickahominy River. Union soldiers were able to cross it. The Confederates were forced to withdraw to their earlier positions. No ground was gained, and more than 11,000 men were killed or wounded. Among the wounded was the commander of all Confederate forces, General Joe Johnston. General Robert E. Lee would take his place.
6: Lee wasted no time. He wanted to push the Union Army far away from Richmond. First, however, he wanted more information about his enemy. He sent a young officer, Jeb Stuart, to get it. Stuart set off with more than a thousand men on horseback. Theirs was a wild ride around the edge of the Union Army. When they reported back three days later, General Lee knew exactly where he would attack. It would be the first in a series of battles known as the Seven Days Campaign. Lee took a big chance. He moved most of his men
5: into position to attack what he now knew was the weak right side of the Union line. He left only a few thousand men to defend Richmond. He hoped the Union commander, McClellan, would be fooled by this plan. For if McClellan discovered how few men were left behind, he could smash through easily and capture the city. With the help of Stonewall Jackson's army, Lee's plan worked. McClellan was fooled, and after a day of fierce fighting,
6: he was forced to withdraw from the area. Lee chased McClellan for a while. They clashed at such places as Mechanicsville, White Oak Swamp, and finally Malvern Hill, The South won the Seven Days Campaign. The threat to Richmond was ended. The Confederacy was saved. But victory came at a terrible price. 20,000 Confederate soldiers were killed or wounded. As both the North and South were learning quickly, the Civil War was becoming more costly than anyone had imagined.
0: And that's our program for today. Listen again tomorrow to learn English through stories from around the world. I'm Jonathan Evans.
1: And I'm Ashley Thompson.